0: Hi, I'm Alex. I'm Amy. And this is Small Town, Not Small Minds. Hey
1: Amy, what's up? Well, you know, living my best life in Calgary, um, I I just had this cool experience this past week. Um, not strep throat, that was not the cool experience, but the cool experience was going for evening walks around downtown, I discovered this new business right by me, and it's a waxing studio. and you know me, I love getting hard wax for my eyebrows, my upper lip, you know, my face, my body, you know, all the things. And I started following them on social media as one does when they find new businesses and started interacting with them. Finally made my way in to trial them out and like have made new friends. Like these ladies are amazing at Waxwell studio. It's just on McLeod trail South. So really close to my house. Um, I've become a member of the waxing salon, but then not just that they are really good at looking after their clients. They hosted this customer appreciation night and they brought in all these local vendors. And again, it was open for everyone to come and join in the festivities, especially their clients. And they hosted local businesses. Someone made non-alcoholic drinks here out of Calgary. I couldn't tell you the name right now, but maybe later. Um, But I do follow them as well. They gave us complimentary bouquets of flowers. That is a good time. I know. The first time a waxer has ever given me flowers, which I'm like, you should. You looked at all my bits and knits, So I want you to give me flowers. Um, No, so it was fun. And then she had cookies and giveaway prizes. They did a little touch up of your eyebrows. That's why mine looks so good right now, Alex. Um, Yeah, just like really looked after but i was just most impressed because i've met the owner and a couple times now and she runs her business as if she's dealing with her best friends and i said to her i i can feel this sense from your business already a sense of everyone belongs here and i said just the way you operate this business makes me so proud to be a part of it and so when people can take those kind of models and energy and put that into something they love I appreciate that so much. So I just wanted to shout out to my new faves, Waxwell. So pumped for this business to grow and I'm excited to see them. They're brand new, just moved into this uh, building. So love them. That's awesome. Very exciting. I guess I need to get a new waxer. Yeah, honestly.
0: Yeah. I don't have any waxer in general. I'm a face shaver. Like to shave those chin hairs right off,
1: or tweeze. You're a tweezer too. <laughs> okay, well, here's the cool part, Alex. I should let you know too. Part of my membership with Waxwell is I get to select one friend for a free service. So what? You know, I'm just I'm just gonna pick the friend of the year. So I'm just throwing it out there to you in case it you know might be you.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Hey, okay, am I in the running? You're in the running. <laughs> Okay, I've been nominated.
1: (laughs) You're high up there.
0: Great. Okay. Yeah, I'm so excited. No, 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 no. It's funny that you bring up a business because that's like my what's up also. Um, Because I'm in Victoria now, but my childhood best friend moved out to Duncan, which is near Victoria. And she's on one of our episodes, No Pain, No Gain, uh, talking about uh, like physiotherapy and, and the science of pain. Um, And she and um, her fiancé, they're engaged now, um, opened up um, a board game cafe in Duncan, and I love board games. So I brought the roomies out last weekend to go check it out, and it was so fun. Um, It looks super cute, they got bowls of candy, they're coming up with margarita flights. Flights of margarita. Yum. Yes, um, but it's also like VR and we played some rock band and so it was just totally fun and it was cool to go support their business and see, you know, friends branching out and, and taking on new projects. So it's called The Fort in Duncan and you can check out their Instagram. It's pretty fun. They um, show different games and stuff too. So if you're interested in learning new board games and seeing what's cool and hip and new in the board game world, um, totally follow them on Instagram. That's Awesome.
1: It, did they, yeah. like, this is recent. They just recently opened up?
0: Yeah, so they haven't even had their official opening yet. They've just been kind of soft opening. October 1st will be, like, their grand opening day. Wow. Yeah, and they're having, like, they're doing so many cool things, like bringing in local artists for singing, and they're doing, a, like, a 24-hour scavenger hunt, like, doing lots of really cool ways to engage people um, with the community. So
1: I love that. That is awesome. i am glad you and your roommates got to go out together as well. Yes. It is great roomie bonding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, games in general are just so fun with roomies. Yes, yeah. agreed.
0: How is- This week, we have uh, Elise on as a guest, and Amy met her, just met her through work, and we interviewed her before we took off on our adventures. Mm -hmm. I think it fits really well with our theme this year because Elise talks a lot about connection and finding community and belonging, kind of no matter where she is. So it's interesting, she's in a small town now, but she spent time in a city also, so we're going to talk about Elise's experience. I hope you enjoy that.
1: Yeah, that's What's Up. excited to welcome elise onto the podcast today (laughs) Um, i met elise this year and i was so fascinated by her story that i invited her on and so i'm really looking forward to you sharing a little more of your personal experience and story living in small rural alberta out here with us yeah welcome elise thanks yeah good to be here we always start off with our question alex
0: what is the
2: most small town thing about you, Elise? Uh, I have over a thousand canning jars. Easily over a thousand. Wow. Where do you store all the jars? In my basement that is just like stone walls, you know? Okay. Like not a finished basement. Yeah. And there's a root cellar down there. And then uh, I live in a house that's like over a hundred years old. Wow. So like even the canning shelves are over a hundred years old. Yeah. So that's
1: super cool.
2: Yeah, it is really neat. So
1: is this on your parents' farm? No,
2: my, like we own an acreage.
1: Okay, out there. Okay, yeah. very cool.
2: So
0: Amy and I are on different ends of uh, Tupperware. I like to return Tupperware. Amy does not. <laughs> I'm. Mean, it's plastic. Okay. <laughs> so I was talking to a friend who's a really avid canner, and she's like, I don't care if you return my Tupperware, but I do want my canning jars back. Yeah.
2: Okay, I'm like, is this a thing? Oh, this is a big thing. Because they're expensive, and not just expensive. It's like, a lot of them are antiques. Like, I've got jars that are well over 100 years old. Like, okay. don't keep those. Okay, Yeah. So this is good to
0: know. I would never think to return a canning jar. And now, oh, yeah. from now on, I'm like, okay. if it But don't be-
2: return the lid. Because people give the lid back, and those are disposable. Don't do that. Okay. Okay. Unless it's glass.
1: Oh, okay. Never you had a glass You can't, can't
2: make those anymore. So okay. This is good etiquette to know. Yes,
1: yeah. and to be fair, for all those Tupperware fans out there, because I get a lot of flack on this podcast about <laughs> not me not returning Tupperware, <laughs> um, I do return the glass ones. Those ones I do return to people. Plastic, I'm like, you're you'll never probably see this again. Um, but canning jars, I knew this. Because people who give me canned goods, I save the jars and return them back to who gave them to me. So, well, yeah, it. we remember when you don't. <laughs> <laughs> we remember. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, if you're good at returning, you'll get more stuff.
0: So, <laughs> so good to know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Alex, what about you? Man, I feel like I'm the well is running dry for small town things about me, but my graduating class was 35. So I feel like that's like pretty small town. I know there's smaller graduating classes out there, but there are bigger ones too. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: that's good. Yeah. Uh, me, I was thinking about mine also at the drive-through here in town in Stetler. I have a friend, a new friend, and she's the lady who takes my order, and she always remembers me and always gives me a compliment. Mm-hmm. She's very excited to see me with my different shades. She's always like, "Oh, hello!" and she's pumped, and I'm excited. That's my small town thing. <laughs> yeah. My relationship with my drive-through at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Do you know her name? No. No. Oh, okay. uh, we recognize each other by voice and yeah. facial facial recognition. <laughs> oh,
0: facial recognition. You're a robot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we're so excited to have you on, Elise. So fascinated by your story. First off, can you just kind of walk us through? Because you actually are from this area of Stettler.
2: Yeah. Okay. How far back do you want me to go?
1: Well, you grew up
2: around Denalde, like you went. Yeah. So we immigrated from the Netherlands to oh, yeah. uh, like Denal area. I Went to Denalda Elementary School, just like by Boss Hill, and then high school in Stettler and then I went to university in Calgary. Okay, And then from Calgary, I uh, met my husband. We ended up moving to Jordan for two years. And then I was, like, so tired of city life. So that's what part ended of, up
1: back. What part of Jordan did you live when you guys moved to Jordan?
2: <clears throat> okay, so it's a bit of a mixed bag. Okay. Because I had a job in Amman in the capital. Okay. So, Oman. like, I was living there. But then on weekends, we were with his family, which is Noaimut which is like a village life, like really a
1: village. So it was like between both, like right off the Syrian border. So after living in Jordan, you and your husband decided to return to Canada. When I was in
2: Calgary, he was doing his PhD when I met him. And so part of like doing his PhD was he got a contract with the government to take his PhD here. So part of the deal of the government paying for it, he then had to employ by them at mm-hmm. a university so he got his contract fulfillment that he had to do there and I went with him got mm-hmm. my own job and then I just like it didn't work for me mm-hmm. you know like I had the idea that we would all go there and it would be fine and dandy because I mean they come from an immigrant family we've immigrated so yeah. I thought it'll be fine it's just another immigration yeah and it just wasn't for me like I felt really isolated and We weren't really spending much time together, so I actually came back, and then I was traveling back and forth between here and Jordan, Mm -hmm. and uh, then I got a full-time job here, Mm -hmm. so now it's just, he just comes here on the summers until his contract fulfillment is kind of done. Right. He thinks he has, like, about another year on his contract, and then he could take, like, six years off, and then we'll see then where we end up.
1: That's good.
0: And the acreage you live on—is it you, or you're with your
2: family? No, it's just me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My canning jars. Yeah. Yeah. My canning
1: jars. (laughs) They're good company. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm sure that keeps you busy running a whole acreage on your own, even right now. Yeah, it's a lot of chores, but I
2: like being busy, so it's okay. Although uh, I have like a thousand square foot garden, and I am not a weeder. Yeah. So I make the rows wide enough that the mower
1: can pass through. That's yeah. pretty good. I think that's what I'm so fascinated about is that obviously for your husband from Jordan, he would have been Muslim. Yeah. in Islamic. Um, so you, to marry, would have to have converted to Islamic culture. Is that correct?
2: Officially, no, but I
1: was Muslim
2: already at that time. Okay. Yeah. So I became Muslim. I don't know. Uh, probably about two years before I met him. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, cause never do anything for a man. Good yes. girl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, cause then when you have problems with them, then the resentment yes. starts. So yes. yeah, I was very aware of that. Right. And so then after I had already converted for a while, then I knew already, like I did want my husband to be a Muslim. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Do you mind sharing why you converted to Muslim? I saw a lot of really bad examples of like people not following the religion yeah and like i mean being from Stellar area you really don't know anything about anything other than white folks so yeah when i went to the city you get a lot of different influences yes and because of those bad influences i was kind of like well that don't seem right and then began to do my own research Mm -hmm. and then there were just like a lot of little signs along the way kind of thing
1: you did all this research yourself yeah and you were just curious you were seeing like bad influence around you and then you were like i need something in my life that's more grounding and steadying and i did you too, islamic culture
2: yeah it just i remember it's one of the only things i remember just like this overwhelming feeling of peace mm-hmm.
1: so i love that that's so beautiful i know when i first met you like here in this area i was like oh like having come from the Middle East I was like whoa I, I saw you with your hijab on and I was like I want to learn more about y- your story and so I didn't know that you actually chose yourself so a lot of women that I know who've made the conversion they did it through choice because to marry an, a man who is of Muslim culture they had to convert to that so I didn't know that and that's that's really neat that your spiritual journey led you to that discovery yourself so yeah i do
2: hear a lot of people that's how they converted and there's this big thing about like if you convert then you have to be a better muslim than the average muslim and i'm just doing my own thing Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah so
1: Mm -hmm. what year did you come back to this area you know our small town is very you know strong in a certain Setting, we've got a lot of white people. We've got yeah. a lot of you know, just Christian. I would say that kind of area.
2: Conservative. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I mean it's changing
1: a little bit now. Like yeah, the yes,
2: diversity you see now. Even though city folks would never say there's diversity, but mm-hmm. the diversity we see now, you never would have seen when we when yeah. I was younger no. at yeah. all ever. Yes. Yeah.
1: No. So. so I feel like you're the sole representation right now in our community that yeah. I know of you're I'm, like I'm very aware of that
2: though, <laughs> I'm very aware yeah I'm very aware that like wherever I go how I behave is going to be the representation of all Muslims not that it should but like it definitely has to be so if I'm rude to someone they're gonna think oh those Muslims are all rude so
0: yes that's a lot of pressure
1: well, yeah you I mean, just have to be accountable yeah <laughs> What are some barriers that you faced in this area having to... I think because a lot of it, to you end up being a teacher for a lot of people. Like, why are you wearing that? And, oh, what does this mean? And explaining it to them, you know, what Muslim culture is about. People are generally pretty curious,
2: but a lot of preconceived notions. You seem to have, like, a really good
0: kind of, like, water off the duck's back attitude about it all. But I feel like I'd get so bogged down by all the questions. Like you say, like, you are the representation in this area. Like, how does does that get to you at some point? Or are you just kind of like, you know what? Uh, i just going to be... So sorry. our
2: family is very much drilled it into us that, like... You just you push on through. That's like a a World War Two era in the Netherlands thing, <laughs> where like you don't think about it. We say "verstand op nul," which means like put your brain to zero, and you just trudge on through. Yeah, stuff it in a box, and you'll mosey on through it later. Right. Uh-huh. So, so, maybe eventually we'll catch up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do have like a really good outlook about it, but I also think you embody such diversity, being from the Netherlands. Um, immigrating here to Canada, obviously going on your own spiritual journey to decide that Islamic culture was for you, and converting to Muslim, and then living it and practicing it and kind of teaching other people about it. I'm like, someone needs to write a Chatelaine article about this. (laughs) Honestly, it's It's, very fascinating to me.
2: It's really weird to, like, observe
1: the world as a regular
2: white person, quote-unquote, And then put on a scarf and all of a sudden be a minority somehow yes Mm -hmm. and so the racism becomes super apparent because I was in such a place of privilege and I still am as a white person but even changing my last name to now a very Islamic one Mm -hmm. well just my husband's last line is not really Islamic but it's like a very traditional last name Yeah. yeah and so like there's huge stark difference So I was born in the Netherlands, and then, uh, so when we immigrated, it was very much drilled into us that we had to assimilate into Canadian culture.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And that was like hardcore, like whatever you do, you got to be like those Canadians, you got to be more Canadian than the Canadians. (laughs) It was like hardcore, and then so after I left Stettler area then I was always like no I'm looking for other immigrants please where are you yeah Yeah. and then yeah so it's just there's a lot of racism you just don't realize and
1: stereotyping like I find it's so interesting I remember teaching a unit with Islamic children in my school in the Middle East and Mm -hmm. like what are stereotypes you hear about Um, you know Muslim people and the kids like we did a whole health lesson and it's so interesting teaching that same lesson to Canadian kids and hearing the comments and I think that's the thing when people don't know enough about Islamic culture and Muslim culture it's like they just pick those points and they just hold on to it because they don't really know a lot of it. But it, like you said, it's it's extremely peaceful. The the Quran itself. You're doing teaches and you're praying six times a day. Um, five, yeah, five. Sorry, yeah, and um, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's just like I think I learned a lot. And as a Canadian, having gone to the Middle East, I didn't know a lot. And every time I decided that I was going to go, everyone here around me who didn't know as much either were like oh like this is like you know you muslim culture you've got to be really careful and like all of these things like that they were just fearful for me mm-hmm. and i was like it's the best time of my life i <laughs> had the greatest two years living out there it was amazing yeah. and like i said i learned so much about islamic culture now i think i'm saying it wrong islamic is the religion muslim islam- are the
2: people islam is the religion
1: islam is the religion. religion and muslim are the people yes
2: okay everybody will come to you about women's rights and oh yeah and oppression and they'll tell you all this oh how dangerous or even when i was in jordan i would get messages like do you have an exit strategy oh "Oh, okay okay.
1: yeah it was it was super safe yeah women are are held to such a high regard yeah like they like praise the woman very heavily but i think that's misconstrued quite a bit
2: yeah I do think for small town, I think I got in with Stetler as a hijabi at a place where like no one knew anything yet. So yes, they had preconceived notions, but they also didn't have enough exposure to have too much of their mind made up. Yes. So although it took a long time to be um, allowed into the community Facebook group. Really? Um, Actually, uh, so I tried to enter. As myself, hijab wearing my name. I mean, I've always lived here, so what's the difference, right? Yeah. And I kept getting rejected all the time, like decline. Yeah. And then my sister, who doesn't live in that town anymore, then uh, sent in a request. Five minutes was in. And I was like, okay, I'll send another request. We know they're online. Rejected again. I made a fake profile. Two seconds, I was in. Oh, And then I had to have my sister-in-law talk to the person and be like, hey, what's up? But that was... Very obviously, racism. Yes. yes. So, I mean, now wow. it's fine because I've infiltrated.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the system. We're good. I now. can sell We're my golden. goods on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, my canning. Yeah.
2: For yeah, sure. I think it's very important that I'm visual, though, that I go to the events because, again, that's the only representation. Mm-hmm. So,
0: just you being representative in this community could help us with like islamophobia if we just like got to know you right because yeah, there's face actually
2: to quite a bit of muslims i mean no frills at one point had halal meat and that wasn't mm-hmm. for me so yeah, yeah, like, yeah i think there's did. actually yeah. a lot i know there's another uh, there's a palestinian family yes. um the uh, Ida pharmacy used to be run by someone who was muslim but the thing is a lot of people don't wear the headscarf out of
1: fear yes so. interesting because yeah, that such a visual make sense? Yes. Yeah. yes like yes.
0: that I feel like that with the mask half the time where I'm like oh, d- do I want to have people stare at me today you mm-hmm. know what I mean like yeah. that's like and that's not me deciding my own religious belief there like I can't imagine having that being like can I represent who I am today and just like you know what it's easier to not yeah it's honestly like but it definitely
2: I mean it, it affects your choices you make, right? Yeah because if you know you're going into a crowd that's largely a convoy yes. and you're gonna wear a mask, you know that's like a danger. So like yes. public transportation in the city for me is a big concern. Yes. So having grown up in the Netherlands, I actually went back uh, two years after I was married or a year after we got married. And I mean I'm a Dutch speaking person, I still speak the language, you know, I'm I'm as white as I was then, you know. There yes. was no difference. I landed on the airport on the airport in Amsterdam. Yeah. And the second I landed I already got berated with like harassment about my scarf. And this is like I was still a Dutch citizen at the time. Yeah. And it's like, why? Like dude, I'm I'm like I'm one of you, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh so my husband wasn't with me. He was like an asha flying on his way in. And then we went on a tourist thing in Amsterdam sometime later and it was the exact same thing. People from the river side like harassing me in Dutch and it's just like shameful. Yeah. Not shameful on me but like shameful on my culture. Yeah. And so then uh, I actually became Canadian and at which point I had to give up my Dutch and Mm -hmm. I was like no problem with that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was a lot of that. Oh wow. that's
0: too bad, hey? Yeah. And the other thing is like you can understand it all too. You're like, I'm Dutch. Yes. <laughs> like you're yeah. speaking my language. <laughs> yeah. Like I hear it all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that's like really interesting too, like, hearing your story is the exposure factor of like you being exposed, like now that you've made this conversion, you're actively wearing your hijab, you having lived not like that before can really do the comparison to being like Islamophobia is very present in our world today and kind of just like experiencing it firsthand and being able to like critically think about that and You know kind of be a leader in a way to kind of break these barriers down and and you need to be given that chance to be known for who you are and what you're about and you are very approachable i know i was like drawn to you the moment i met you and then we just hit it off and we could talk right away and everything that's so interesting that one piece of fabric on your head covering your hair is what is causing some of that friction of within our society yeah
2: him. and it is really weird because I know when my husband gets approached his instinct is to be aggressive back because that's a defense mechanism mm-hmm. and I always have to remind him like no, remember you're the practice. representation yeah. and like they'll judge you, they'll judge all of Muslims on you mm-hmm. and it's not, and the thing is but that's an instinct right That's a, mm-hmm. uh, like we get berated with so much harassment that like how can you not be defensive mm-hmm. but you have to be above it all Mm. which is
0: so hard though like it's just it's a human instinct or a human response right like and then to be judged everyone your whole culture your whole like who you're representing I just like
2: I commend you for your attitude Mm. but also like and it comes from both sides because it's not just from like the community here or wherever but it's also the islamic community because for them oh you're not this enough oh you're a convert so you're supposed to be like better than the rest or like or you're wearing you know your pants or skinny jeans or oh i can see your wrist or, you know like there's always the haram police on something yeah <laughs>
1: right um can you share with me one part about um islamic culture that really like Brought you to becoming Muslim? Because I was thinking
2: about this recently. I think it's like I'm always looking for belonging. Mm. So, like, we immigrated, and it was like you're the outsider and you're looking for belonging but you know you never fit in so like that's not an option so then you go to the city and you start developing friendships and you're dating and all that jazz and so you're looking for belonging and then i was looking in other immigrant communities for belonging so then when those relationships inevitably didn't work for very good reasons Mm -hmm. then it was like okay well what else is going to give me a sense of belonging because i realized very early on in my childhood that like uh roman catholic which is how i grew up to be yeah was not the fit for me like it didn't make sense logically for me mm-hmm. so then islam really connects science and like religion at the same thing so everything that's written can either now be proven or in the future be proven in science mm-hmm. so like that part like i could connect that in my brain yeah And then, I don't know, there were like a few out of body experiences. It sounds like weird. And so I usually don't say it because it's weird. But like, I got trapped by a group of men underneath one of those underpasses in Calgary. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Like, uh, it wasn't even that late at night, but there was no one around in downtown. So I was like, oh, I'm screwed. Mm -hmm. And then I just remember feeling like this... This was already at the time where I was like, I'm gonna convert, but I don't know, I don't know. And then I had like this out-of-body experience where I saw myself floating and I could watch myself say something that was not in English or Dutch that I recognized. So I just assumed it was something in Arabic. And then Mm -hmm. I stunned them enough that I watched myself dive under somebody's arms and run. Mm -hmm. And you see me, I am not a runner. (laughs) <laughs> but I ran for like a good twenty minutes, so wow. it was just like, it was like a few of those kinds of moments on the way. Yeah, and they sound really because they are. But that inevitably was like,
0: okay, like, that's so done. beautiful. I mean, this is
2: the right crowd to say something wackadoodle, and we'll be like,
0: that sounds yeah. really yeah. transcendent.
2: <laughs> but but like you can't tell people that because that's just like oh that's a weird one that doesn't sound real but then it probably wasn't
1: i think spiritual journeys we did an episode about that is just like everyone's spiritual journey is so different so for you to even be raised under roman catholic and then like discover islamic culture and then be like and religion and be like yes like this is my path like I think all things pointing, like, that's beautiful. That's, like, very telling. And that you found that sense of belonging in it, which is really cool. Can you
0: tell us? I feel like we focus a little bit on, like, negatives. I mean, we did. You were just, (laughs) like, super positive all the time. But, like, what is something you love about Islam?
2: The thing is, religion and culture is very different things. Mm -hmm and before that I could disassociate that very easily mm-hmm. so now I'm like in this weird space currently where it's like it's all a little bit mingled in like picking olives and like sitting with his aunts on the floor and making kuba with your hands and like that's yeah. what I think about even though that is not religious at all
0: no but that's like what I feel like what you're looking for in connection and belonging and like those yeah. moments right so it yeah. makes sense
2: Well, and even after I converted, I didn't know my husband at the time at all. So, like, he was not in this picture whatsoever. So then it was the same thing. Like, I would seek out connections to people I knew. And then I would meet people. And just, you'd get a sense of community. Mm -hmm. Even though at the time I obviously wasn't wearing a hijab. So, Mm yeah. But it is really nice because Muslims always greet each other the same way. So no matter what town I go to, especially in like, you don't see this in an Islamic country because there's too many of us to go around. But Mm -hmm. here, like if I go to Red Deer, every Muslim you'll see will greet each other in the same way. Mm -hmm. And so that's like an acknowledgement like, hey, you're part of me. I'm part of you. And that is really nice. Yeah. 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 And, like, you know, in the crowd, if I go to Superstorm the City, there's always somebody who's going to come up to me and ask for something in Arabic, and I won't understand it. Yeah. But it's that knowing that, like, oh, that's a safe space. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, it is, it is really nice. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. So, yeah, I guess that did answer the question. <laughs> <actually>. Yes. <laughs> I didn't that. It
1: is. Yeah. At least, like, I think you are a wonderful advocate. Even though I know you were saying, like, perfect muslim i always is perfect in anything that they do and so even i know the students that i had taught who were muslim as well they would say that too like i i need to you know there's always that aspiration of growth towards good values but hearing you speak and just the way you process everything is just so beautiful and i think it just provides more space for listeners and everyone out there to be open and remain open and give people a chance towards it.
0: So thank you for being on the podcast.
1: Yeah, you're welcome.
2: (laughs) Never thought anybody would be interested in it.
0: (laughs) After show, it was so awesome to have Elise on the show. I was so glad she could make it out for the visit. Um, What were like, what was your takeaway, Amy?
1: I knew having met Elise earlier this year that she had such a unique story for somebody to come as an immigrant and, you know, find their spiritual awakening in Islamic culture. I just was like blown away and took away and become a Muslim. I was like, wow. It was nice to host her after for dinner just to learn more about her. But the thing that largely was a huge standout to me is how great she was with managing it all. She had such a positive outlook about things And how to teach other people around her. And how to be patient with other people. She just had so many great virtues. Mm -hmm. And I was so proud of her. I really want to visit again with her soon. And I think she does a great job being a sole representation in our community of what Muslims look like.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I, like, my, my biggest thing was, like, wow, her mindset was so positive. And I just really appreciated how she handles everything. Because... I I was saying to Amy, like, I, I think I would just have too much anger. And it, it's just really refreshing to see her, like, be so awesome about it. Yeah. And, uh, like, when we were having dinner, when you were making dinner, she and I talked so much about just teaching because we both have that in common. And, like, oh, my gosh, I want to be a student in her classroom <laughs> yes. because her... She sounds so fun. I was like, oh my god. Like, I was like, I missed
1: the boat for, like, <laughs> I was
0: like, she just does so many cool things where, like, she was talking about how she made, like, a gold rush day and, like, hiding. The
1: leprechaun in- trap where her students, yes. like, caught her and stuff. Oh
0: my that. gosh, like, every day, and she, she kept saying that. She's like, I love teaching. It's like acting, and you could, like, totally see that because she just, like, puts on a whole, Oh yeah,
1: like, she was showing you the costume that oh, she yeah. wore for her students. I was like,
0: this is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I loved that. And then the other thing I wanted to say, um, we all know I love Tom Hanks, but my other favorite actor is Kumail Nanjiani, who uh, is a Muslim actor, and he talks a lot about like being Muslim. Um, so again, great representation. But what you need to do is look up his SNL monologue. He's a comedian and actor, mm-hmm. and his SNL monologue I watched so many times, and I absolutely did you watch it when yes I sent it to you? yeah i did were you yeah. not just howling with he laughter? is funny
1: that whole that he directs and wrote the big sick yes. and he stars in it yes that movie is just pure comedy it's so funny but so
0: heartwarming too. yes like yeah. you're gonna cry so many elements. i think kumail is like such a gem on this planet so <laughs> you you just need to check him out um, and he does a really, really good bit on Islamophobia on his SNL monologue. That's true. <laughs> and so I just, I love comedy that is, like, really political like that. And yeah. so it's it's really good. You need to watch it. It's gold.
1: Yeah, he'll talk about informed racists, racism, and that's, like, oh, yeah. it's so funny. Yeah,
0: Islamophobia, racism makes it all into, like, a really good political statement, but you're going to laugh about it. Yeah, Watch it. Yeah.
1: And that's What's Up.
0: That's no. not what's up, baby.
1: That's after show. <laughs> jar of questions. Okay. This week's jar of question. Pretty excited. Thought this one up myself. Um, what Spice Girl do you relate the most to in your current life? Like in this current moment?
0: Okay. Mm. Um... First up, do you to review the Spice Girls? Sure. Why don't you take the lead on that? Because I'm going to let you know right here, right now, um, I don't know a lot about the Spice Girls. I could name you one song, and um, they weren't a huge part of my life. Yes. And I'm saying that on yes. air, and I, it's, yeah. Anyway, so you give us the quick rundown, the cool's notes. Okay. You have 10 yeah. seconds
1: for each Spice Girl. Uh, I don't even need that. I, their names speak for themselves, Alex. They're Sporty Spice. Scary spice, ginger spice, posh spice, and baby spice. Their characters and have a, their own persona. So Okay. Um well
0: I had a ring of baby spice. Okay. And I don't feel like baby spice right now. But maybe I am because I'm like starting like a new path right now. Oh. So you know, I'm just a baby. Um, <laughs> but I don't really
1: feel like that. Um, so, but I'm going to final answer baby spice. Love it. I actually really like that answer for you. So, that's awesome. <laughs> okay. I've been pulling this question on like recent dates and it's a real hit. And I love when the men Ooh. like jump in are like, yes, this is my current spice that I am. Um, Okay, I think currently for me, I would say I'm Posh Spice. I've been living my posh life in the city, um, you know, driving my Mini Cooper, my dream car, and everything just feels very posh. I'm going to Barcelona right away here. So, Posh Spice is me. But, I guess we turn it to you. Um, Spice up your life. What Spice Girl do you relate the most to in your current life?